0: This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide story that affects you. I'm Shayna Roth, and this week I'm joined by a familiar voice for our frequent listeners. I'm here with Lauren Gibbons, now of Bridge, Michigan, formerly of MLive. Hi, Lauren.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. So
0: Lauren has graciously agreed to fill in as co-host this week, and it's a Big one for a story that Mishmash has been following for quite some time. We're talking about the state of abortion rights in Michigan. A draft opinion in the upcoming abortion rights case, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, was leaked a few weeks ago. We talked about it at the time. Now, the opinion was authored by Justice Samuel Alito and shows an intention to essentially overturn Roe v. Wade. Roe is the landmark case that granted a right to an abortion. The final and binding opinion is expected to be released in June, But there have been several efforts in Michigan to circumvent the state's so-called trigger law, which would make it a crime to obtain an abortion in the state if Roe does fall. And one of those efforts is a court case that saw some significant movement this week.
1: Yes, we're seeing movement um, from the Michigan Court of Claims. They preemptively suspended enforcement of this 1931 ban, basically saying that because it's being actively challenged, they're suspending it for the time being. And this is a big deal for people who support abortion access, because essentially if Roe gets overturned, or at least in a similar fashion to what we saw in that leaked draft opinion, Michigan would go from legalized abortions to essentially no abortions at all, except to save the life of the mother, which it's not exactly clear what that means.
0: And one of those people is Attorney General Dana Nessel. She has said that she will not be appealing the decision. And that's not surprising, given that she's consistently said she would not enforce any law that criminalizes abortion. Here's Nessel on MSNBC earlier in the month saying she hoped the court would do what it did do. The Michigan Constitution, under the Equal Protection Clause, under the Due Process Clause, the rights of women in our state are protected, even if the United States Supreme Court does not agree any longer that it should be protected under the federal constitution. Thinking about this case specifically, I know there's a lot of different moving factors going on around here. It sounds like it's possible that even though Nestle doesn't plan to appeal this decision, there are other avenues for appeal in this particular case.
1: Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of interest from anti-abortion groups, perhaps members of the Republican majority legislature. A lot of people are going to want to weigh in who maybe feel that uh, it's Attorney General Nessel's position on this is not their position. Uh, So it's unlikely that it will just die. Certainly some of these uh, individuals and groups will likely, um, you know, put in uh, to the court to try and appeal this case on behalf of anti-abortion activists. It does remain to be seen, you know, exactly who that is, um, to what extent they are defending the exact language of the 1931 law. That's still a little bit up in the air uh, because we're we're still kind of waiting to see what the court ultimately decides um, in this Planned Parenthood case.
0: And the original law that they are contesting is a 1931 law, which is among the strictest in the country when it comes to punishment for abortion. Uh, So talk us through, are there exceptions in this law? I mean, this would be a pretty significant shift in how Michigan treats abortion if it does indeed come to pass.
1: Yeah. So, and that's why people are challenging this law, right? Because um, it, this is a, this is a very big shift. Um, based on the language and the way it's written, the one exception to the rule of criminalizing abortion um, is is to protect the life of the person having the baby. It does not specify what constitutes as life threatening, so it's unclear. Um, you know whether that's at the doctor's discretion, whether that's something that could be challenged after the fact. Like, is a particular case life threatening enough to have an abortion? That's not really clear. And because this law has been unenforceable for you know since since Roe has been in effect, um, those nuances haven't necessarily needed to come up. Um, but now that this law is still on the books, um, it's something that a lot of people are paying attention to. Um, one thing that is important to note, this does not explicitly include exceptions for rape and incest. Um, it does not have any exceptions for early pregnancy terminations, as some states do. Um, as you said, it is one of the strictest laws on the books in the country, um, and. And it's certainly um, been a long time since that was written. Uh, it's unclear whether the legislature would be open to updating that law if it were to go into effect. Um, I, did ask, uh, I did ask Representative Matt Hall about this on, off the record a couple of weeks ago, and he said that he's waiting, to see, uh, he's waiting to see what the Supreme Court does before they start talking about whether updates to that law are necessary.
0: And that's the thing, like, I mean, and this is something we're going to keep seeing nationally in all states that choose to have any sort of abortion regulations after this is those nuances matter because every case is going to be different. Are you going to allow for termination of a pregnancy in which circumstances? You know, like like you mentioned, what does it mean to have to save the life of the person carrying the child? Because it's one of those things that you can't really know for sure unless it's happened, I have a feeling that there are a lot of people out there, particularly medical professionals, who are very concerned right now and trying to figure out, like, how do I handle this going forward if I don't know for sure? I don't want to necessarily violate the law, but I also have made an oath to protect my patients. And I think that that is something that Michigan and many, many states going forward, if they choose to have these laws, which don't take into consideration all of these little nuances, they're going to have problems going forward. And I would suspect that, as you mentioned with Representative Hall, the legislature is going to need to step in and do something, which is going to be interesting considering I can't imagine that Governor Whitmer is going to want to sign anything that is going to restrict abortion in some way i guess what do you see as that as playing out with all of that when you have if you have a legislature who's like hey we got to make some tweaks to this but the governor is like we need to get rid of this altogether
1: yeah um we're in uncharted territory is basically (laughs) is basically the easiest way to sum this up uh because once we start talking about exceptions uh it it gets very confusing it is very unclear there's not really a good line because every pregnancy is different, right? Um, Every person who's pregnant has a very different experience with that in many cases. So, but when we start talking about exceptions, especially when it comes to situations like pregnancies conceived of rape or incest, um, That gets complicated, too, because um, are we requiring the person to file a criminal complaint? Does it have to go through the judicial process um, to be determined a case of this? Every exception that is proposed um, to an anti-abortion law just adds 10 more questions about what is legal and what isn't. And I think it's also important to note, We're seeing movement um, signature gathering on a ballot initiative uh, that is being pushed by Planned Parenthood and other groups that would, um, if passed by voters, legalize abortion in Michigan and add that to the Constitution. But that said, uh, anti-abortion groups have long turned to the ballot initiative process to add language concerning abortion into Michigan statute. So we're getting to a point uh, where we could possibly be seeing competing ballot initiatives maybe every cycle. I'm not sure. You know, it's like both of these sides are extraordinarily motivated um, to, to get what they want. And um, we're seeing a big shift if the federal precedent is gone. And, and that uh, in, in a purple state like Michigan, um, this is going to continue being an issue.
0: And speaking of motivation, before we head out, I want to talk about the upcoming election. So we have the November midterms coming up. The primaries are happening in August. And I feel like things were not looking great for Democrats. And then this opinion leaked. And suddenly there's a ton of motivation on the part of Democrats and on the part of people who want to keep abortion legal. Is this something that I don't want to say that it... Or maybe I do. I mean, is this something that could possibly benefit Democrats in the upcoming election? Is this going to get people excited enough to head out to the polls and ensure that they keep a Democratic governor and get more Democrats in the legislature? I mean, could this possibly be a boon for them?
1: You know, anger and frustration is always a pretty big motivator among the electorate. Um, Mm -hmm. and And that's why uh, the trends have persisted that when a particular party is in power, um, the people who are disaffected um, by that party um, will be the most motivated to turn out, typically. Um, so, so all of the trends that we've seen um, for these midterms would point to it being a good Republican year. There's a lot of factors in Michigan that could change how that looks. Um, I think this potential Supreme Court opinion is a big one. This is a huge, a huge decision. And we are definitely going to see a lot more focus from Democrats on this issue and the stakes um, that are at play here. Now, um, in terms of Republicans, I do think that, you know, they still will probably have some of that motivation um, and, you know, frustration uh, with the Biden administration. And so it kind of remains to be seen exactly how it shakes out. Uh, but then in Michigan, too, we also have brand new political districts. We have a lot of uh, a lot of incumbents who are no longer running or um, are term limited out. And so there's a lot of potential shakeups that could occur in Michigan. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a done deal for either party. It's going to be a very, um, a very robust election cycle.
0: We've been talking a lot about abortion the last few weeks on this show, and it is clear that this is something we are going to keep talking about for many months to come. Potentially years. Potentially years.